0: Hey, good morning, DCF family. Um, You guys are troopers out here in all this rain, um, but every time it rains naturally, I always think of there being a raining from heaven, from the courts of heaven over us and the Spirit of God raining down on us. And so this morning, we are so glad that you are joining us. Welcome. I'm Karen Hale, and I am one of the pastors here at DCF, and um, we're glad that you're joining us and watching online. So this morning, will you stand with me as we just want to come together and welcome and enjoy the presence of the Lord together, and um, all that He's doing among us, and all that He is for us, and uh, this morning, He is so faithful to us, and I want to open us up with Psalms 126 and read this to us. It says this, it says, It was like a dream come true. Have you guys ever had a dream and you're just like, man, I just wish this dream could come true. You know, this is what the psalmist says. He says, it was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. It's like he's freed you from bondage and he's brought you to himself. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. And we really sense that there's such a place of, like, gladness and joy in this house this morning for you. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in, saying, the Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles, and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. How many of you need the Lord to do something for you again? Or you've heard a testimony of the Lord's goodness and His faithfulness. Or you've read a scripture this week. Or you've listened to a podcast. And you're like, Lord, would you do that again? Would you do that in my life? It's because it's who He is. He's so faithful in His nature and His character towards us. It says, now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to your, our former glory. But can I tell you something? There's a former glory I think that all of us could relate to and think about and be so excited about. But can I tell you, former glory is done. God is bringing new glory to his church, to his bride. He is going to far exceed what we've ever seen in the past in the days to come because we live in an ever-increasing kingdom that only is growing and moving and building and expanding. So... This morning, be ready for new glory. Be ready for the new things of the Lord, the new encounters of the Lord, the new experiences, the fresh places that He wants to awaken and revive in us. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Who would love to have some drenching this morning. I'm going to ask that again. Who would like to have some drenching of the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen. Come on. Those who sow their tears as seeds will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow. And I don't know about y'all, but I have sown some tears. I have sown some tears, but I am expecting a harvest from the Lord of what he has promised me in my lifetime and for the generations to come after me. They may weep as they go out, carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. There are armloads of blessing and harvest for us to reap in the Lord's kingdom in this day and in this age and in this generation that we live and in the generations to come until the Lord returns. So this morning, would you raise your hands with me and welcome this King of glory. Welcome the Holy Spirit to come in and move among us and breathe new life and bring his streams of refreshing and drench us in the dry places this morning. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We honor you, King Jesus. Thank you that you left and you sent the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell among us, that you wanted a place that you could abide in, that you could live and dwell, Lord. You no longer, it's no longer the visitations of come and go of the Holy Spirit, but he abides among us, abides with us. Lord, we abide in you today. We dwell in your presence. Holy Spirit, make the fatherhood real to us. Jesus, make the Father's goodness known to us this morning. And Holy Spirit, you are oil. You are known as water. Drench us, coat us, anoint us, Lord, for the days to come, Lord, with your goodness and your kindness, that the Father, just as Jesus said, that the Father would be glorified through us. Lord, we worship you and we bless your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together.
1: Já e
2: We're just going to take just a minute. We, we just feel like there's a place for ministry this morning, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, I know we've got some new people here this morning or maybe some people who are not used to that. And so I just want to kind of help you out a little bit. Um, nobody ever did this for me when I was coming up in Pentecostal and charismatic services. So I was just mostly got surprised and I'm like, ah, that's kind of scary or kind of different or kind of weird. So I was so fascinated with the difference. I didn't allow the Lord to minister to me in ways that I think if the leadership had, had helped us, in so many ways, it would be better. Um, On the day of Pentecost, uh, we see administration gift in Peter when the Holy Spirit's moving in a way that nobody had ever seen before. And it was all people who knew the Bible, it was all religious people, it was all, you know, for the most part. And Peter still got up and said, hey guys, what you're seeing, this is not what you think it is. So he was recognizing confusion in some of those things. And so what we're going to do right now is we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to say, Holy Spirit, come in the manifestation gifts. That could be prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. It could be miracles. There's just a whole bunch of things they are doing. It. But we have an eldership team here, and we always have overseeing elders. And our job is not to limit what God wants to do, but in fact to administrate what he's going to do. And also to make sure that you guys know there's fathers and mothers in the house, and we're okay. Everybody good with that? So let's just hold for a minute. They're just going to play a little bit. We're just going to be in a place of just worship and adoration. And we're just going to wait on the Lord and we will direct what comes next. Amen.
1: Hodi Shotokodia, the massy Here to Hondro, the Kesti. Hodi, Hodi, Kadi, Kadi, Kadi Hosti, the Magaid. He tosh to Kamie Karabosundre
0: That he is shifting the seasons. That the old season is done. It's finished. That season has come to an end. And for us to look into the next season, because it's going to be full of blossoms. It's going to be full of the new. It's going to be full of life and green and vibrancy. And that in this new season, the things that were heavy and weighed you down, that I'm going to I feel like the Lord is saying he's going to make them light as a feather. Things that were heavy in the past season are going to be light because it's something that he's doing in the new season. And we're going to feel like that we are, it's almost like that there's a season of like, you're going to glide with me. You're going to glide with the Lord like you're going to, he's going to carry us across peaceful, uh, peaceful waters. And it's almost going to be like that we are, it's going to be so peaceful in the gliding and so light in the feather of what we're carrying that it cannot help but produce an overflow of overjoy and laughter for us. As we were worshiping this morning, um, I had a picture of a skeleton dancing, and as this, these draw bones were dancing, they literally came to life and were a whole person, full of life, full of joy, laughter, just abundance, and just, just full of life.
2: Amen. So here's what we want to do. So often we've been in places where we hear things from the Lord and we're like, oh, that's awesome. We get all excited about what we heard. But God doesn't talk to us just so he can give us information, right? He he talks to us because he wants us to, he's inviting us in to what he is doing and especially what he's doing inside of us personally. So a couple things that we we heard this morning. Um, One, there's something about the season is changing. And so part of what we're, we're re- required to do as, as elders, as leaders in our church, is how do we administrate what it is that the Lord is saying? So this is what I think we need to do this morning. The Lord's basically saying there's a season changing, right? There's a, there's a, there's a skeleton with no bone, I mean, with just the bones and none of the other parts that make a person whole. And God's basically saying, I'm taking this, I'm going to bring it into a new season. There's a, there's a transformation, there's a transition happening. But those things don't happen against your will. (laughs) And so if you don't participate in that, you can miss the season. I I see this all the time when I'm traveling up in Canada. Apparently Canadians don't get cold, and so it's, you know, it's 30 degrees outside, and they're in shorts. And we're like, what are you doing? (laughs) And seasons catch us off guard in Dothan, Alabama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it got so cold, I had to go find my coat. But that's what we need to do now in this season. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back into worship. Another song. And I want you to do this personally. Don't think about what the other person needs to, how they need to change clothes. It's easy to see. Think about, Lord, what do I need to take off going into this new season? What do I need to put away, put put back in the other closet and get, get it out of here? And what do I need to pull out and get ready to wear? Amen? What, what is it that God's saying, hey, this is where you are as a skeleton, but this is where I want to bring life and I want to bring sinew and I want to bring muscle and, and skin. And I, I want to bring something more than where you are right now. And usually those are areas of our life that the Lord is speaking to. So let this get really personal with you. So if you would, if, if you would just kind of kind of just begin to, as we go into this next, next song, just begin to worship. And then just begin to do business with the Lord and say, Lord, what are you speaking to me about in the season that's changing? What do I need to put off? What do I need to take off of me? Maybe it's some things that you've been doing, some habits. Maybe it's some relationships. Maybe it's some mindsets. Maybe it's some some emotions. Whatever those things are, the Lord's saying, I want you to put those away. You're not going to need those anymore. But I want you to get these things out. I want you to put on something new. Amen? So, Lord, we just come to you right now and say we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gifts of your spirit, Lord. This is not an interruption, Lord. We pray for these things. We long for these things, Lord, because you give us very specific direction about how to change and how to transform and how to walk into the fullness of all the inheritance that you have made available to us in Jesus. But, Lord, often you challenge us to take a step of faith, to take an action, to co-labor with what you are trying to do in our lives. And so, Lord, this morning we say yes to that and we choose to do it. And so now, Lord, we're just going to begin to lean in. And we're going to think about the things, Lord, and make some decisions about what we need to put away, what we need to put aside. Lord, uh, Paul spoke about when I was a child, I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put those childish things away. And so, Lord, we're going to choose to do that right now. As we go into this worship song, Lord, would you speak to our hearts, Lord? You're you're a God of grace and kindness and goodness, not condemnation, Lord. You're not trying to beat us up. You're just trying to challenge us to let go of the things that are keeping us from walking in the fullness of your inheritance, Lord, that we are a skeleton in that place. Lord, you're trying to bring life and sinew and, and, and muscle to us, Lord. You're trying to bring fullness, abundance, Lord. So we say yes to that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, just lean into worship this morning.
0: We let the light of glory and hope and peace in, Lord. We let the light of your goodness in this morning, Jesus. Come on, y'all. Y'all do it. Let the light of the goodness, the light of the faithfulness, the light of the goodness of the Lord in. The light of his kindness, the light of his grace, the light of his mercy, the light of his truth in. If it's the end of the season, it's a new season. What do you need this morning? What do you need? What do you need to take um, and, and form over you? From the old season coming into the new season. Lord, it's a new season. Lord, we let your light in, Lord. We let the hope and the glory of the light of Christ in this morning. Yeah, Lord, let the light in, Lord. It is a new horizon, Jesus. It's a new horizon, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord.
1: Yeah, Lord. Let your light Let your light yeah, Lord, Come
0: on. Yeah, I think the Lord has just such a beautiful, beautiful heart for us this morning from the songs, the words, the um the ministry of the Spirit this morning. Um and we'll have some more of that up even throughout the, the morning's message of one of the, some of the words this morning, you know, was recalibrating, and um, my mind just went blank, but it'll come up after service, um, but this morning, when you let go of an old season, you know, I told Dave, I said, I feel like there is stuff that the Lord is just, it's, it's shedding It's shedding the old season because the Lord has something new for us. And it is something new. And what worked and what fit and what was normal in the old season, you need to let it go. It's not going to fit in the new season because the Lord's doing something new with us. Amen. Amen. Thanks to our teams this morning, production, worship. We're so thankful for them. This morning, what I loved about the picture that Marcy had is that the skeleton was always, the skeleton was already dancing. And as it began to dance is when it began to be clothed with newness of life and joy. So it's okay for you in your skeleton moment to be dancing and let the Lord clothe you and to put on this new newness of life for you and to be able to carry and walk it out in joy Amen? Amen. Praise God. We love you guys. Um, If you're new with us or if you're watching online this morning, you can connect with us through dothancf.com. Do a connection card. We'd love to get to connect to you and know a little bit about your story. Our grace teams launched last week. If you have not signed up for a grace team, this is how you get to serve your local body, your local family, your local church, and love on them and cause them to be built up and grow in love. That's what we do. Um, Primarily, it's our Sunday morning services. It's events. It's the things that we do. But your strength and who you are and how God designed you matters. So um, we love serving together in team. And so um, something that we learned early on is that lots of hands makes light work. So if everyone's doing their part of helping in arenas, then it makes it light work for everyone rather than one person carrying all the weight and carrying the load, okay? So grace teams are hugely valuable with us. We're going to have some community that will be going on coming up in um, weeks to come. You'll get to hear a little bit more about that. And ladies, um, you want to mark your calendar for February the 23rd. We're going to have a great evening of connection and friendship and relationship. And so you'll get more details about that this week on social media and also on our website and um, in the newsletter. And this morning, giving generos- gener- generously—sorry, giving generously—that's available on dothancf.com on the website as well. And we're so thankful for the generous givers in our house. We love you guys. And um, uh, something that I heard recently is the most frustrating thing for a visionary is to not have the funds or the finances to fulfill what's in their heart. So this morning, we are so thankful that all of you give generously. And um, uh, so we're, we're, just, we're just glad for that, and we're looking forward to our future together and what the Lord has for us. So we bless you guys. We're going to dismiss our kids and our youth this morning, and they're going to be going to their classes, and David Woodham is going to be speaking this morning, and coming, and he's going to be sharing on the one another's, and so um, uh, y'all will love that, too, as we're going into our community. And stuff.
3: Good morning. Can everyone hear me all right? Awesome. what what a sweet time in worship uh, kind of exciting uh just just the future that God has not only for the individual members in this house but just as us as a body as a whole. Um, really excited about this next season. I love these these cold rainy rainy days It makes me think of uh, braveheart uh, i don 't know if most of you've probably seen it, but near the beginning of the film like he 's going to see his who would be his future wife his girlfriend whatever you wanna, however you want to look at it he rides over to uh uh, her parents house and he uh, asked her her dad you know hey can can she come and we take a ride and it's pouring rain and the mother's like in this weather and his response is oh this this is beautiful Scottish weather and I'm, it just makes me think of you know like Al- our Alabama weather how it just changes in a heartbeat you know it has nothing to do with the message this morning it just makes me think of that um we we just finished up last week uh Dave finished up uh the abundant life series where you know we we talked about grace teams and everything um, and I love this beginning time of year when we start to talk about grace teams, community groups, uh, because I, I think we, we, um, most of us, if we overlook it, we're really missing out on, on a vital aspect of, of being a part of a body where we get to serve one another and, and, and bring our strengths. So I, I love this time of year. And you, if you've been at DCF for, I'd say, you know, at least a year or so, you know how this beginning kind of progresses from grace teams into community groups. So this morning, I'm actually going to be speaking into loving one another, and and what that looks like for us in this next season in in, in community groups. Um, I want to start out by uh, talking about a survey here. Forbes did a, a survey um, where they they polled or they surveyed about a thousand people, and they ranged from age 18 to 65. And the survey was. Uh, about loneliness. And so 47% of the people that were surveyed felt left out. That's, that's almost half. So five out of 10, however you want to put that number in perspective, half of the people felt left out. 27% felt that no one truly understands them. That's, that's a quarter. One out of four felt like no one truly understands them. 43% felt their relationships weren't meaningful, and then for, another 43% felt isolated. Again, that's almost, that's almost half. They either felt like the relationships that they had weren't really deep, they didn't really have a lot of meaning, uh, or you know, they, they felt just isolated, separated from, from community altogether. And then 20% felt they had uh, no one, yeah, they felt close to no one at all, one out of five felt they were not close to anyone. That's, that's, a, that's a staggering, you know, thought when you think about it, when you think of those numbers. And, you know, this is, this is, loneliness is not something that the world faces. You know, what, the church is not, is not immune to this as well. There's people within our body. Hopefully these numbers don't reflect inside the church. Um, but, but loneliness is something that, that we struggle with, even within the body, if we're not careful. Um, another, another study they did on loneliness... Uh, they, they studied the, the medical effects of loneliness in the human body. And this is scary, but uh, loneliness, if, if not treated, if not corrected, can uh, lead to a higher chance of premature death than excessive drinking and obesity. <laughs> that's, that's scary to think about. I, don't, I, I have a, a bit of a medical background, and that scares me to death. <laughs> Just the fact that, you know... What, what the, the, our, our emotions, how they affect our, our physical body and the way we think sometimes, how that can have an, a physical effect on our body. I think COVID really, uh, one of the, the positive things, I think, that came out of, of COVID, I guess you look at it as a positive, uh, but it really shone a light on the importance of how community and socializing, how that's important for our mental health. Um, I know there's a lot of introverts uh, that I know, even within this body, uh, COVID was rough on them. I mean, even introverts were, were not immune to the effects of COVID. That, that long period of time where you just don't socialize, you don't have that human connection with others, it takes a toll. I don't care what your preference is as far as, you know, socializing. And the, uh, the, the Forbes article said that Gen Z, and Gen Z um, is, would currently be high school age kids all the way up into the late 20s. So if you fall into that category, you're, you're Gen Z. Um, they're saying Gen Z is found to be the loneliest generation there's ever been. The loneliest generation that's ever been. That's why a lot of the the uh, generation in Gen Z, or a lot of people in Gen Z, they're 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 just they're thr- they're struggling. They're they're just craving something that's real. You know, they're not just wanting you know just a a good TED Talk anymore. They want something that has has some some realness some some just value, some power in it, you know, something that's filling that void. I know this is kind of a downer. I promise this is the problem I'm presenting this morning. Loneliness is the problem. I'm going to give you a solution. I promise. It's not just going to be a very pessimistic service this morning. But uh, a a man by the name John, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name, Cassiopo, he did a TED talk on the lethality of loneliness, and pretty much he, he states in there, you know, humans, we're, we're a social species, whether we want to admit it or not. We're, we're very social. From a very young age, uh, our, our, our kids are reliant on us as parents to teach them and to, to, to show them how to function in the world. You know, so from a very young age, we need other people in our lives. That doesn't change. As we, as we get older, as we mature, I don't care how old you are, we are social beings. And he said in, our, in one of the quotes from the TED Talk was, our survival depends on our collective abilities, not our individual might. So the, the premise is growth within a social species comes from individuals who are dependable. In other words, meaning a, a social group to truly mature, to truly mature, and grow, you must become someone who uses their strengths to the benefit of others. So this, this morning, I'm about to give you the solution. All right. So this morning, this, this comes out of John 13, 34-35. This is the New American Standard. I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. That you love one another, just as I have loved you that you also love one another. So Jesus is saying, hey, this is, this is the new rule. I, I, I'm creating a new covenant with you. First rule, love one another. The way I've loved you, I want you, to, I want you to imitate that. Love one another the way I've loved you. This is the first commandment. This is actually the first commandment in the new covenant. And the apostles uh, really took this to heart because if you see how they, uh, you know, wrote wrote the gospels and how they interacted with the church, it was always through the through the, the prism of love and grace. You know, that, that, that became the, the foremost in their minds addressing the church. Uh, like I said, this is the solution uh, and the source of tremendous growth in the church. You know, I, I'm, I'm speaking of, of growth, uh, not only spiritual growth, but also it, it, can, it can reflect into growth in numbers within our bodies. Because guess what? When we're loving one another well, that's attractive. That's attractive to people who are lost and lonely. That, that's how we bring people in and we share this new covenant with them and invite them to be a part of this family. So the question is this morning, how, how do we love one another? You know, What, what does that look like? So I, I want to give you three really simple, really basic um, practical ways that you can do that this morning. All right? So the first one. As carry each other's burdens. Paul in Galatians 6, verse 2 here says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So carrying one another's burdens is actually fulfilling that first law, that first commandment that Jesus gave his disciples. That's fulfilling that. Carrying each other's burdens. Often uh, we, we tend to want to separate ourselves. From Other people's problems because if we're honest, you know, we have we have problems of our own and I I think the mentality and it's a very natural reaction um, The mentality is to I want to I want to fix my own problems. Then I'll worry about other people's problems I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. You're always going to have problems You can't escape that as long as you are living and breathing on this earth. You will face problems and the problem when we separate ourselves from other people's problems, uh, when we do this, we separate ourselves uh, from our community, and we not only isolate others from our support, but we're isolating ourselves from our support group. I, like I said, I, I have a bit of a medical background. I'm a paramedic with the Dothan Fire Department, and the entry level, when you come in, they require everyone to eventually become an EMT basic, and that gives you You know, very basic, you know, CPR skills, basic life-saving, you know, stop the bleed, things like that. And when I started out, I I realized I had uh, a a bit of a passion for the medical side of of my job. And that's why I pursued, you know, higher learning. You know, paramedic is as high as I can go in the department. Um, And the more I study and learn about the human body, the more I'm fascinated by, by it, you know. Um, it, it's amazing how God created our, our bodies to to
2: protect and fix itself.
3: Um, because there's something that, that really, um, something unique really happens. Like when your body is in pain, like if you're having pain in a certain part of your body, the body as a whole works together to correct that pain. Whether it's it's moving blood flow from one area to another or just hormones and, you know, endorphins, you know, Flowing through to to help, you know, fix what's going on. It's incredible. That's the way the body of Christ is meant to be as well. We're meant to come around one another and and carry each other's burden. There's there's a saying, a burden halved or no, excuse me, a burden shared is a burden halved. That's very true. And I I want to speak this morning. I want to get some clarity around burden versus a load. Um, I, I did what was called a, a go-ruck. It's just an event. It's like a Spartan race. Have you ever heard of that? Essentially, everyone is carrying a, a pack that has weight in it. You know, there's a, there's a designated weight based off, off your size. You know, not everyone is carrying the exact same weight. It's based off what you should be able to carry. So the event was like seven hours. So everyone has this pack on and their, their weights in their pack. There's also these things I forget what they call them trophies or keys, something like that, but they were just an additional item. Not everyone had them. They, they just you know had a few that we passed around, whether it's either a heavy chain that you, you carried or is also just a heavy load that you cal- carried in addition to your pack. So these got passed around because you, you cannot do eight hours with a pack like that and an additional load. It's, it's going to wear you down quick. So what we would do, we would pass. Those, those burdens, those, those keys around to one another. We shared that, that burden. It was too much for one person to carry the whole time. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you carry a pack on, it's going to wear you down too. But oftentimes, things would shift in the pack. The weight would, would become altered. Or either someone didn't really strap in well uh, in, in the Army, they, they really teach you how to, to load up a pack. For, for a guy, we normally carry weight high in a pack. We carry it where it's almost at our shoulders. We want that weight high. For women, they tend to carry the weight toward the middle of the bag. It's just the way our bodies are designed naturally. We just carry weight better different ways. So I would try to pack my pack way up high, make sure my, my straps, I'm, I'm carrying a lot of the weight around my hips here, not, not so much on my shoulders. Like The weight's up there. But my shoulder straps are loose, and my, my hip straps are tight, and it's more comfortable. I can, I can ruck for a while doing that. It doesn't mean that I don't adjust at some point just to relieve some of the stress. But during the ruck, during that go ruck, you know, if we saw someone struggling with their own pack, you go over there, you don't, you don't take their pack off. They, they still carry the pack. You may help them reposition things in their pack. You may, you may help them strap where, where their waist strap is a little loose. Help tighten that up. You help them carry their own burden. You, don't, you, you help carry their own load. You don't take the load for them. You just help them carry it better. As opposed to a burden where you know, we, we share that. That's too much for someone to care for the whole time. Does that make sense this morning? Because I think we uh, oftentimes, especially people who are, are uh, just new to stepping in to, to uh, just being open to, to, to help others, we oftentimes feel like we have to take everything from someone. And that's, not, that's not the case. Uh, there's, there's things that are just too much. But then there's some things that, hey, you just need to make this adjustment here. Can I help you make this adjustment? And you can carry your load better. Just FYI. We are walking in our destiny for God in our life when we put ourselves into position to carry each other's burden. I'll say that again. We are walking in our design and destiny for God in our lives when we put ourselves into position to carry one another's burdens. Next thing, next way we care, we love one another well. First one, carry each other's burdens. Next thing, give sacrificially, love sacrificially. This is 1 John three fourteen through 15. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has, enter, has eternal life remaining in him. The one who does not love remains in death. Loneliness and isolation brings death. Love and community brings life and growth. And he ended there, you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. Our identity is in Christ and our our life is marked with the love for one another. He continues on in 16 through 18. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. But whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love for one another means sacrifice. And I'll I'll be honest, immaturity is, is knowing this truth and speaking it and acting as if it's a value to us. But we don't really do anything about it. It, it. We don't walk that out in our lives. That's an immature response to that commandment. That's not. That's not a condemnation mark there. It's just an encouragement. Hey, let's 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 grow in maturity this morning. I, I've been I've been there before. I, I promise. Friendship is inconvenient. I know because um, I have been loved well. I have been inconveniencing people before. I've inconvenienced my friends. I also have uh, loved well and I have also uh, been inconvenienced by friends. It's just a reality of it. Practically, we are are limited by what we can give, whether that's financial, whether that's time, however you want to look at that. But but growth, spiritual growth in this is, is like exercise. And in exercise, you push yourself to the limit. And the only way you know what the limit is, is you test it, you know. You gotta test it. Let's let our lives be marked with acts of kindness and sacrificial love. Carry each other's burdens, give sacrificially, love sacrificially. And the third one, Commit to growing in love. This is 1 Thessalonians three, twelve through thirteen. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all His saints, we should we should always be striving to grow in our love for one another. I like uh, I believe it was last Sunday, unless I'm getting the, the sermons mixed up. Last Sunday, when when Dave referenced, uh, we owe each other a debt of love. That debt never goes away. You you can't pay that debt off. Every time I I love someone well, that debt doesn't decrease. It has no effect on it whatsoever. That is a continual debt that we pay to one another. And by growing in our love for one another, we grow in love for our Heavenly Father. And that, in turn, causes us to grow in more love for one another, which then turns growing love with the Father. Back and forth, back and forth. It builds on one another. Carry each other's burdens. Love sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Commit to grow in love with one another. These are, the, these are what grow a church. This is what, how we're marked. We are known for our love for one another. Not for how good the teaching is on Sunday. Not for how great the worship is, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I, I love I love our worship time. We will be known as his disciples by how we love one another. I want to um, maybe hit hit the point home this morning by by sharing uh, a story, or rather telling a story uh, about Paul's life. And I really want to want to give uh, maybe a different perspective that that doesn't always get hit on. Um, and I really on the at the beginning of the story I want to address who paul was who he was before he had that encounter with Christ and then I'll address who he was after that encounter so Paul uh at a very young age he was a, he was probably about six years old his family was was wealthy they were they were very influential um, he was he was going to be a part of the the uh Sanhedrin, the yeah. Um, so so that that was kind of the 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 plan for his life. So at a very young age, he started learning, he started studying by six. He could speak multiple languages, he could speak uh, Greek, he could speak Arabic, he could speak Hebrew, so he's multilingual and he was well versed already, excuse me, in the law. And he attended uh, this school that was started by a man named, and I'm gonna Butcher the names. If I say a biblical name this morning, I'm probably going to butcher it. Just FYI. Uh, but the school started by a man named Halil. And this school was pretty pretty awesome. Halil did something incredible. A lot of the Jewish law and story was passed down orally. What he did was he got a lot of this written down into a, a, a written chronicle. And he, and he started this school. And it rivaled uh, any school in Athens, Alexandria. I mean, it was just... It was it was an Ivy League, you know that's that's what it was, um, and so Halil was this this awesome awesome guy. Uh, his grandson uh, took over, and he was just as profound and, and awesome and wise as Halil. His grandson's name was Gamaliel, and Gamaliel is the one that Paul studied under. So at a very young age, at six, he learned under this this awesome, powerful guy who who was well-versed in the law. Say it backwards and forwards in many languages. Um, so Paul Paul learned at an early age under this this man. So fast forward, Paul Paul becomes a part of the Sanhedrin. The early church starts, and Christ gives his commandment, go and make disciples. So the disciples go out, and they start preaching and teaching, and they start preaching and teaching with power, with the Holy Spirit. And think about the Sanhedrin. Uh, the Sanhedrin... Um, they, they ran the temple, but their theology was a bit messed up because they denied many of the most basic, basic teachings in Scripture, life after death, heaven, hell, angels, demons, miracles, to the point of where they even questioned the existence of, of God himself. So really, they took the faith out of the religion and it became just law. So when the disciples came and started teaching something that was contradicting what they were teaching, and not only that, they were bringing power, miracles, That really messed with them. They they took the disciples and they they kind of locked them up. And the Sanhedrin were talking to one another, like, "What do we? Let's just kill these guys. Let's just get rid of them. This would be the easiest thing to do." Uh, Gamaliel stood up and said, "Hold on. If this is a movement of men, it'll it'll dwindle out. You know, I, I don't think we need to worry about this. But if this is of God, we don't need to touch these guys. All right. So he convinced them to let the disciples go. So the disciples are let go." And they rejoice for just being um, being worthy of being persecuted for Christ. Fast forward a little bit more. Stephen, a young young leader in the church, begins to preach and teach in power. It ticks Paul's off. He, he's he's just ticked off by it. So he rouses the people up. They take him and they're going to stone him to death. And Paul's like, "I will hold your coats. I'll hold. Give me your coats. I'll hold them. Kill this guy." And I think what we don't realize with the with the 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 idea of stoning someone to death i i had a very incorrect view of it i thought you know they just took big rocks and they just you know chunked them at the person if they're like me i cannot throw a baseball i'm not a baseball player i will end up hitting someone else there's just going to be a crowd full of you know bloody noses or something if that's the way stoning happens but stoning was actually a very brutal way to die What, what would happen you have to take a large rock and get real close to the person that's why Paul took their clothes because it's a very, very bloody way of of uh being killed, so uh Paul kept his hands clean while he had others do his dirty work and just FYI, that's that's the bad mark a mark of a bad leader you know <laughs> letting someone else do your dirty work for you um that's that's not any kind of spiritual that's just practical worldly you know that's just a bad leader, but anyway, you know. Paul made it his mission to destroy the church. He hated the church. He would imprison men and women. In, under the law, they used to just if the, if the household, if someone disobeyed the law, they would imprison the man, so the woman could stay home and take care of the kids. Paul didn't do that. He imprisoned men and women, so kids were left on the street to fend for themselves. He was brutal. He, he had them executed. I mean, he's just out to destroy the church. But guess what? He had a little encounter. He had an encounter with, with, with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And this is where I want to transition the story into Paul after his encounter. So that, that was Paul before. Paul after his encounter. He had an amazing encounter where his he, he eyes got open to, to grace, this new covenant, who Jesus really, really was. And I think we oftentimes think that, you know, Paul just became this mature believer right then and there. But, I mean, the disciples, even the apostles, they didn't just, like, go to level 10, and they were there for the rest of their... I I, I believe, just personally, I believe there was some growth continually through their lives. New revelations. We see this because, you know, Paul rebuked Peter when he was, you know, not acting right. So, obviously, the disciples, the apostles, they had their own growth that happened in their own lives. So, that came through the Holy Spirit and revelation. But guess what? It also came through community, and fellowship with other believers. And I'll show you how this happened with Paul because it, you look at the way he, he responds to, uh, to the church, and you'll see that, that the people he surrounded himself with had a huge impact in his life. This is Romans 16, verse 1. I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of, of the church, which is at Caesarea, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy the saints and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well greet priscilla and aquila my fellow workers in christ jesus who risked their own necks for my life to whom not only do i give thanks but also all the churches of the gentiles how many people can you say have risked their lives for you how many people i've had plenty of people do amazing things sacrifice a lot for me I can't honestly say that that someone has risked their life for me. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert of Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsfolk and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding in the view of the apostles. Outstanding. These people are outstanding. Even amongst the apostles, these guys are outstanding. In the book of Philemon's chapter 12, I am sending him, he's talking, him is Onesimus, who was a former slave. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Men, how many, how many guys can you say that about? How many of you say, Rodney, this man is my very heart? That sounds, sounds weird to say, but that was the level of a relationship Paul had with this man. And the the entire church of Philippians says, My brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Listen to the language that he uses when he's describing these people. This was the man who, who years ago would have nothing to do with these people. He would have murdered them in a heartbeat if he could. And listen to the language that he has for these people. This is his community. These are people that spoke into Paul's life, that fed him, cared for him. The Holy Spirit brought revelation to them for Paul. It wasn't, it wasn't just a one-way street. I don't care how strong of a leader you are. You have to have grace, and you have to have just, just a community with others that feed into your own life. Paul was not, was not immune to this, this reality. The impact that Paul had was, was largely due to the Holy Spirit. It was, it was all the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit moved through the church in Paul's life and caused tremendous growth in him. I, I love our Sunday mornings. I, I truly do. But growth, real growth, I, I believe happens in in small groups. Not that growth can't happen on a Sunday morning, but but real growth happens when we invest in one another, when we come around each other and live life together, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, through us, allowing us to, to meet each other's needs. Sometimes God directly intervenes in our lives in times of great need. Sometimes he wants to use someone else to meet the need for our life. And sometimes, guess what? Sometimes God wants to use you to bring revelation into someone else's life. Sometimes God wants to use you to meet someone else's need. So as, as we're we're wrapping up this morning, I just want to encourage you this, this next season, not even not even before the community groups start, today. Today, think of ways that you can you can love one another. Think of ways that you can, can, can love, not even with our own body, but just people that God has put in your life. Can you carry a burden for someone? How can you love sacrificially? How can you give sacrificially to one someone else? And how can we commit to love one another? Well, these are the things that will grow our church. These are the things that will bring growth in our life. Growth, growth. Like I said, it's a lot like exercising. You got to, you got to push the limit. You got to test that limit to to grow. There's going to be a a lot of different types uh, of community groups this season. I don't, I don't know what all there are. Um, Does it matter which one you sign up for? Not, not really. Even if it's a women's group and a dude wants to sign up for it, you know, I'm confident he would get something out of it. Not to say that, that, you know, there may not be a better group for him. I'm not saying just, you know, throw a dart up on the wall. That's the one I'm joining. You know, you can be, you can be a little picky, but I guarantee you, if you join a community group, God is going to do something in you. He's going to use you to, to affect someone else's life, and he's going to have someone else pour into you. That is what church is. Church, church is not, this, this is a meeting. This is not church. This is a meeting. When we are in each other's lives and we are loving one another well, that is church. That is what church is meant to be. So I, I, I would say, um, when the time comes to, to join a community group, please do it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be selfish here. I want everyone to, so it looks good. no. I'm saying this for your benefit. Please join. Sometimes it's hard to commit. Believe me, there there are seasons in life where it's just hard. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to commit. My challenge to you this morning is: do it anyway. Do it anyway. If you stand with me, heavenly Heavenly Father, we just. Thank you that you created us to be dependent on one another. Thank you that you don't ask us to carry uh, our burdens alone. In fact, you design us to help one another. I pray this morning, God, that you will reveal ways that we can love one another well in our lives. Thank you that that's going to look different for each one of us. That would Show us how to bring our own strengths And just pour into each other, God. Heavenly Father, thank you for just being a good father. Thank you for being a God who doesn't change his plans on the fly. Thank you, God, that you are consistent. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. we have uh, words up on the screen this morning. We have, uh, I want you to know, we're praying for y'all, even before y'all get here. Uh, we have a, a time of prayer where we're asking God, hey, what, what are you saying for the people that are coming in this house this morning? So we, we pray and we ask God, and God, God has been giving us words of knowledge, and we're going to put those up here on the screen here. So if any of these words um, speak to you, this that, that's for me. We want to pray with you this morning. We want to pray with you this morning. We're going to have our, our ministry team up here uh, to, to be available for anyone who needs anything, prayer about anything, or if there's anything specific that that affects you this morning. Uh, so so thank you so much for coming in this beautiful Alabama weather. Thank you for, for coming out. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Love you. God bless.